to this land. Lord, just reignite the fire and, and, and the passion that just yearns for your will to be done, just yearns for your kingdom to come here down to earth, Lord and Father. We just, we just pray for, for the words that are about to be spoken in your name. Let them reach all every single one of us and let's just take them, take it to completely to heart and, and, and just so that you can continue your transformation of our lives, Lord. In your precious, holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Well, next week is uh, Earth Day, and we're just going to start the celebration and preparation for that time a little early with our chapel speaker uh, today, Haley Main. I got to meet Haley last year when she came with a friend of hers who spoke in chapel, and after getting to know her and learning a little bit about her passion and calling in life, I felt it appropriate for her to come and speak with us this day. Haley Main is the education coordinator for Audubon New York, the New York State chapter of the National Audubon Society. She teaches an environmental education program called For the Birds, which uses the study of birds to teach elementary students about environmental awareness and appreciation. Originally from Ohio, Haley graduated with a BA in botany from Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, and in 2006 received her Master of Arts in Church Ministry from Alliance Theological Seminary with a focus on environmental theology. This past November, Haley received her ministerial license through Hope's Way Church in the Bronx, New York, and her pastor is with us today, Pastor Rachel Chinnery Todman. Will you welcome her pastor with us today, sitting here? <laughs> Haley is currently working on a project to bridge the gap between people of the church and with people of the environment. Haley believes that it is every believer's privilege and purpose to understand, appreciate, and protect their created world as a means of worshiping the Lord. Will you please welcome Pastor Haley Maine. Praise the Lord. Good morning. Yay, it's so good to be with you. Um, I am very... Um, I'm going to put this down a little bit so I can see you a little better. Um, I'm very honored to be here today in your midst um, and to share something with you that means so much to me and I believe means so much to God. Um, and I am very blessed to have my pastor with me today. She is um, a mighty woman of God and she has played a pivotal part in my standing before you today with prayer and with guidance and with understanding um, what we're going to talk about today. Um, I want to talk to you today about making choices because today we live in interesting times in the world when we can make a lot of choices, especially here in the Western Hemisphere. We make hundreds of choices every day, choices about what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear, where we're going to go, how we spend our money, who we're going to spend time with, all of these choices, sometimes it can be a bit overwhelming, actually, how many choices uh, we can make. In fact, that's one reason I kind of tend to shy away from places like Walmart. <laughs> it, can be, <laughs> it can be a little overwhelming in there. Um, and I'm convinced that they play subliminal music. Yeah. Well, how many of you can go into Walmart and walk out with nothing? You can't do it, right? A uh, 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 hand or two. <laughs> um, but 
you get the point. It's overwhelming, the amount of things at our disposal. And we have the great gift of being able to choose every day of our life. And the thing is, God intended it to be so because he is the original choice maker. He chose us. He chose to give us life. He chose to love us and to protect us and to guide us and to provide for us. He's the choice maker of choice makers, if you will. And we were made in his image, as we all know. And as his followers made in his image, we are then also supposed to be choice makers. He gave us a mind with a capacity to make very conscientious, intentional, meaningful choices. It's an amazing gift. And the thing about the Lord is that he didn't stop there. Not only did he give us this capacity to make choices, but he said, you know what? I'm going to help them out. (laughs) Because he knows that we are from dust and we're going to dust. And we have this propensity to not always make the wisest choices. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I know that's been the case in my life too many times. Um, so he said, you know what, let me help you out. Here are the choices that I'm going to give you, and I'm even going to tell you which one you should choose. He said, choose life. Choose life. In Deuteronomy 30, that's our scripture for today, he said, Choose life. Turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Deuteronomy chapter 30. If you don't have your Bible, look over your neighbor's shoulder very carefully. I feel like I'm kind of breathing into the microphone. Let me try to adjust that. Deuteronomy chapter 30. And I'm going to start reading from verse 11, going all the way to verse 19. This is Moses speaking to the Israelites before they cross over the Jordan, before they go into the Promised Land. And Deuteronomy is a beautiful book. He's reminding them of where they've been. He's reminding them of where they're going. And he's exhorting them, encouraging them, and warning them what to do when they get there. Starting in verse 11. He says, Surely this commandment that I am commanding you today is not too hard for you, nor is it too far away. It is not in heaven that you should say who will go up to heaven for us and get it for us, so that we may hear it and observe it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say who will cross for us, so that we may hear it, And get it for us so that we may hear it and observe it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart for you to observe. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways, and observing his commandments, decrees, and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're entering to possess. But if your heart turns away, and you do not hear, 
but are led astray and bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you're crossing over the Jordan to enter and possess. Verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your amazing gift of making choices. And today I pray, my Lord, my God, that all of our ears, from the pulpit to the back door, would be open to hear your word, hear your truth, and that we would choose to follow you, choose to obey you, choose to seek to understand you, and choose to do your will in all our ways, to the glory of your name and for the blessing of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Choose life. God is all about life. He is life. Our Bible tells us that. Life began with him in Genesis. Life ends with him in Revelation. And everything in between consists in him. He is life. Can you imagine if every decision we made every day, every decision, not just the big ones, but every decision was made in light of choosing life? What we buy, what we eat, what we drink, how we handle our relationships, everything, jobs, schools, classes, if we made every decision in light of choosing life, our world would be a different place. It would be much different. It would be what God intended it to be. And just what is that, you ask? What is it that God intended? I'm not talking about going back to Eden because we can't go back to Eden. (laughs) That was for a time and a season. But even though the circumstances have changed, God's intentions, even from the time of Eden, his intentions have been the same. They're unchanged from the beginning of time, and his intentions have always and forever will be for life. They're always about life. If you ever want to know what God's intentions are, or if you have a question you need answered, or if you just want to reaffirm what's happening in your life, the best thing you can do is go back to the beginning. I learned that through the Princess Bride. Go back to the beginning, Vasini. (laughs) There's a lot of spiritual truth in the Princess Bride. Watch it with the eyes of the Spirit. So let's go back to the beginning in the book of Genesis, chapters 1 and 2. We're not going to stay here long. Keep your finger on Deuteronomy. That's our scripture for today. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. He gave him a job. It says, in no uncertain terms, that we are to care 
for the land. Adam was to care for it. He was to till it and to keep it. And this is no mere suggestion. It was a command. It was his job. It was his purpose. He was to be a life preserver. And let's just take a really close look at that. The, the word till means to cultivate. It comes from, it comes from the Hebrew word abad, A-B-A-D, and it means literally to work, to serve, to be a slave to. Till it, be a slave to it. And then the word keep from the Hebrew word shamar, it means to watch it, to preserve it, to protect it. So God is literally saying to Adam, serve and protect He's like the policeman of the garden. Serve and protect that which I have created and given to you. Now, how does this compare with chapter 1, verse 27, 28? Very well-known piece of scripture. Has been somewhat controversial because it's got some pretty strong wording in it. Chapter 1, verse 27 says, So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Subdue. Have dominion. Strong words. That word subdue actually comes from the Hebrew word kibosh. You know that term, put the kibosh on it? That's, that's where it comes from. Put the kibosh on it. Kill it. Put it under your heel. It is in subjection to you. The word dominion is from the Hebrew word radah, and it means literally to subjugate. So how does this compare? We have such strong words. How do these compare with the serving and protecting of the garden? It doesn't seem to to go together. But when you look at this, chapter 1, verse 28, God is speaking to Adam and Eve and he's saying, he's blessing them and telling them, multiply. That means bring more humans. They can't bring more plants in. They're bringing more humans in. Fill the earth with humans. Multiply. And then he says, subdue. Put the kibosh on them. They are in subjection to you. You're the lead man, you're the lead woman. Every other person is in subjection to you. You are the authority of them. And then he transitions and he says, in addition to that, there's a thought change. He says, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, every creeping, crawling thing on the earth. And that, they're both verbs. I'm spending time on this. Stay with me because it's important to understand what God said from the very beginning because we know that God does not change. His intentions do not change. They, like him, are the same yesterday, today, and forever. That word radah, it's a verb form, and it says... It means literally to rule by going down and walking among the subjects as equals. Have dominance by going down and being in the midst of every creeping, crawling thing. The people are under your authority, and you are to be in the midst of everything on the planet to serve it and protect it. Those 
are God's intentions for his people whom he loves. If those are his intentions, if that's what God made us for and desired for us, then the question is, why are we in the state of environmental crisis that we're in today? Why is that? The most obvious answer, because we live in a fallen world. And that we do. My brothers and sisters, we are in a fallen world. We face it, we feel it every day. But I'm here to tell you that that answer simply does not hold up based on Scripture. It does not hold up because if it did, we could apply that same principle to our lives, our individual lives, that once we take Christ in, we believe in Christ. He is the Savior. He's the Lord of my life. Then we can do whatever we want with these bodies. I can do whatever I want with this. I can eat whatever I want I can throw it in harm's way. I can keep it up all day, all night, right? I can run it right into the ground because I have Jesus as my Lord and Savior. It's the same principle. God gave this body to me. It's my tent that he gave me here on earth. But what does the Bible say about that? In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says our bodies are the temple of the living God. And hear this, God says, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. He will destroy that person. Because this is his temple. You are his temple. The earth belongs to God. The scriptures declare it. All over the Psalms. In Leviticus 25, God says, The earth is mine. He owns it. Did He give it to us? Yes. To be managers. We're all managers. But your body, this planet, it belongs to God. Now, if He's going to say that about your body, listen to Revelation chapter 11. This is when the 24 elders are bowing down. Verse 16, it says, The 24 elders who sit on the thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God. And they started thank- giving thanks and praise and worshipping. And it says, The nations raised, but your wrath has come. And the time for judging the dead, for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and all who fear your name, both small and great. Verse 18 ends and for destroying those who destroy the earth. You are his temple. He cares for you. And anyone who destroys his temple, he'll destroy. The same holds true for the earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And anyone who destroys the earth, the Lord will destroy. My brothers, my sisters, this is serious stuff. I know, this is a serious message. It's a heavy message. But it's important that we take time with the Word of God and fully understand it, especially as the church of the living God.
We are his followers. Do you know God first revealed himself to us as a gardener? God's a gardener. He's got the greenest thumbs that ever were. (laughs) He does. And he treasures this earth as he treasures you, as he treasures me. And so that's why even though we are in the midst of a fallen world, his intentions from the beginning still hold up. Because after all, it was in the midst of a fallen world that God made provision for the land. Exodus, Leviticus, there's provision all over that for the land in the midst of a fallen world. In the midst of a fallen world, the Israelites were warned that their behavior directly affected the earth. In the midst of a fallen world, Jesus came, walked in our midst, and didn't abolish the statutes, but fulfilled them. He often communed with nature. He often stole away in the midst of a fallen world. God's laws, his intentions, when we read the word, we see that they dictate respect and preservation and conservation of this earth realm. It's a gift. Nowhere in scripture will you find precedent for polluting the air as it is polluted today. You will not find precedent for the pollution of water as it's polluted today. You will not find precedent for habitat destruction and manipulation. You will not find precedent for animal extinction at the rate that is going on today. You simply will not find it, not within the midst of these pages, because that's not God's way. God's way is life. He said, choose life. Why? So that you and your descendants may live. Yes, for us, but also for our descendants, that they may live, that they may have the abundant life, life and life more abundant as the scripture dictates. It's for us that we must choose life. Now, I am in the unique position of living in the midst of two worlds, the environmental world, the world of God's kingdom. It's an it's a incredible position to be in, to, to have a passion, as I do, for God and his kingdom, and to also have a passion for his earth, his created work. And it's really difficult, actually, to sometimes to be in the position and to see the kind of trouble that the earth is in, knowing how much the Lord put into it, knowing the time he took. He was so meticulous and thoughtful. Um, it's really difficult to see the, the lack of respect that we give to the planet, and especially we in the church, because God told us to do otherwise. I see emails come through every day about the contamination of the water and the soil and the bird populations that are going down. Do you know some bird populations are going down as much as 80%? 80%, 8 zero. Common birds aren't so common anymore. Can you imagine if the human population, 80% of it were gone? Wouldn't you think we would look up and think something's wrong? (laughs) 
what happened to 80% of the people? <laughs> what happened? But somehow we go through our day-to-day activities and keep on moving, even though huge percentages of the Earth's animals and habitat are simply disappearing in our midst. Now, you might stop and, you know, this, as I said, you, it can be kind of difficult to hear this, but you might notice that I have not mentioned global warming. It's not what I intended to do. I did that on purpose because I'm not here today to convince anybody that global warming is happening or that it's not happening. I'm not here on a political agenda whatsoever. I'm simply here to share with my brothers and my sisters that this is a simple matter of whether we, as God's believers, are walking in alignment with his word. That's it. No more, no less. And it's important for us, the church, because we are a powerful entity on earth. Do you know that? Do you know how powerful we are? Every major social movement has been fueled by the church in history. We are powerful people because we serve a powerful God. Truly. And for too long, the church has not understood well-meaning Wonderful, loving people, but we simply haven't understood what God intends for us when it comes to taking care of the planet and how it's not just a job, but it's a means of worship. It's an actual means of worship. But because we haven't understood it, we've, we've missed out not only on worshiping God, but as I said before, I work in the midst of an environmental world as well. And the environmental world really doesn't have any hope that Christians will have anything to offer this situation, this environmental crisis. Environmentalists typically don't believe in the church as being useful for this situation. And here's a quote from a man by the name of Jeff Schweitzer. He just wrote this article last year. And this is why it comes down to this right here. He says, these religious teachings not only condone, but actively encourage humans to view the environment as separate from them, put here for their pleasure. In this worldview, no deep moral obligation exists to preserve resources for future generations. Did you hear that? No deep moral obligation exists to preserve resources for the future generation. That is a complete contradiction to our scripture from today. He says choose life. Why? So that you and your descendants, you and your descendants may live. So we actually have so much in common with one another that we don't even realize. We have so much in common with people who may not know God, but know his created works. We have an amazing gift to choose and an amazing gift to worship this God who created these things. But the first thing we must do is understand that this is real. 
Now, I know I said this is a heavy message. It it is. But that's okay. (laughs) Because sometimes we need to stop and just take a breather and just look around and understand the reality of the situation that we're in in order to address them properly. But I'm also here today to encourage you, each and every one of you, that we must not lose hope. Why? Because we are still in the land of the living. Praise the Lord. We're still in the land of the living. You still have breath in your lungs. I still have breath in my lungs. I still have the capacity to choose life so that I and my descendants may live. You still have the capacity to choose life that you and your descendants may live. It's not over yet. As far as I know, Jesus did not show up this morning. So we are still in an incredible place to be able to choose life as God directs us and even as Jesus has done. He came so that we have life and have it more abundantly. And there's things that we can do every day. In fact, there are some resources, a few things, if we can put that slide up, things that I want, I mean, simple things that you and I can do every day to worship the Lord. First and foremost, we can go outside, commune with nature, just as Jesus did. That's where it all starts. The program that I teach in New York City, first thing we do, get the kids outside. Doesn't matter that it's a street with a lot of traffic. Doesn't matter that there's construction going on. Doesn't matter. We take them out. Look at your surroundings. Go outside and stay there. Commune. And you guys, being here in Boston or around Boston, you have an amazing um, uh, Audubon Center, the Massachusetts Audubon. It's the very first Audubon Center that was ever created. It's amazing historically, and you have centers all over Massachusetts to tap into the created world. I put the website up there so you can log on to it if you're interested. Then, of course, you can reduce, reuse, recycle. You all know the words. We know them. We hear them all the time. But really, make a conscientious effort. And I must say, you guys already have something great going here. This campus is amazing with your recycling system that's already in place. You have the solar panels on top of the building. This this is incredible, especially for a Christian organization. So I want to continue to encourage you. Yes, you've got it. And keep on going. Keep on choosing life. Think about the paper you use, the lights you use. Turn off the lights, and this is a big one for me, turning off your computer at night. I don't know. Sometimes I don't want to do it because I know I'm just going to get right back onto it in the morning. But the energy during those four, five, six, seven, eight hours, it really it adds up day after day after day. Now, with that said, please don't let me get any calls from professors saying, I'm sorry, my... My students refuse to write their papers because they are conserving energy. On record, that is not what I am proposing. (laughs) But just be conscientious. Think about these things. And realize that the choices you make matter. So choose life. And if you leave with anything today... Leave with this. Is it going to require sacrifice? Yes, it most definitely is. It's going to require sacrifice. But the Bible says something about sacrifice. What is it? 
Ah, yeah. It's our reasonable act of worship. It's not unreasonable to make these sacrifices, my brothers and sisters. It's not unreasonable. Moses said, the word is near you. It's in your mouth. You can do it. We can do it. And as we sacrifice, God is worshipped. He gets all the worship. In every sacrifice you make, He gets the glory. And you get the blessing. Pray with me. Father God, we thank you once again for this day. We thank you for this hour. We thank you that you are on your throne, you are in control. We thank you that you are a God of life. You have chosen to give your people life, to sustain the life of your people. And you have chosen to give us eternal life. When this earth realm has finally ceased. But Father, in the meantime, we pray right now that you would lead us and guide us to choose life while we are walking this earth. That we would study your word, that we would show ourselves approved, that we would understand who it is you've created us to be and what it is you've created us to do. And Father, I trust you with this word. I trust you that it would go out and it would do its work because my Bible says that your word does not return to you void. So take this word and use it for your glory, for your honor and praise. And Father, as we choose life, as we choose life, bless us and preserve us for the glory and the honor of your name. Keep this campus, O God. Keep this campus. Keep Eastern Nazarene College. My God, keep them as an example. Keep them, O God, as they seek, Lord Jesus, to pave the way to bless your name. Keep them, Father God, as they seek ways that they cannot, Father God, be destructive to the habitat, but that they can be a blessing to it. Keep them, O God. I pray, my God, over this campus right now, in the name of Jesus, that this would be a place of example. This would be a place that other leaders would look to. My God, they would come to this campus and see what is done. See that a campus can be an arboretum. That a campus can, Father God, be a blessing to its community, to be a blessing to its environment. My God, I pray that you would pour your spirit in and upon this campus, every leader and every student, to serve your purpose that they and their descendants may live. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you. 12 o'clock today, President Steinu, if you want to ask Haley any questions, go in peace. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Yes.